I want to read from you here as we begin from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse number 20. And the Apostle Paul writes and he says, But now is Christ risen from the dead. Man, that's powerful. But now is Christ risen from the dead. See, church is not just about a religious experience. Church is about you rising from the ashes, rising from the demise, rising from the addiction, rising from the bottle, rising from broken relationships. It's about you rising as Christ did to walk in newness of life. Can I tell somebody today, you can't buy a newness of life with money. Silver and gold cannot purchase your redemption. It took the ultimate sacrifice of a lamb from the foundation of the world to be slain to purchase your salvation. Can I get a good amen in the house today? You're not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold. But now Christ is risen from the dead and became the first fruits of them that slept. In other words, he is the first partaker of the resurrection. Now, we understand that as we study scripture that there were some other resurrections. How, how many remember the widow's child in, in 2 Kings? Elijah laid on the child and breath came back into the child and he arose. When they cast the bones of the body of Elisha into the tomb, it touched a dead man and the dead man... Think about that one. I mean, you're standing there chunking one in and one comes out. We know that Lazarus was raised from the dead. But the truth of it is, ladies and gentlemen, that all of these died again. It was a temporary resurrection. But Christ is now risen from the dead, and he is the first fruits of them that slept. In other words, as we talked about last week, he borrowed the tomb for three days because he only needed it for a temporary time. It was not somewhere permanent. And so he is the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all, somebody say all, that's all of us, every one of us, as in Adam, all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Can somebody just say yes? I mean, can somebody say yes today? I mean, shout it out, yes, amen. That's awesome scripture from the reading of the Lord. 
the word of the Lord. And so you're, you're wondering already in your mind how this all fits in because, uh, and, and it does very well, it ties into the subject that we're going to begin because as we displayed last week with the shadows, how many enjoyed that illustration last week with the shadows and the stones? And it brought revelation, it brought understanding of, of how that God is a progressive teacher. That God begins displaying himself by, by small amounts as it leads up to the total revelation and revealing of himself in Christ. For the book of Colossians would tell us that in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So when you seen Christ, no, not all of God was in him because the universe cannot contain the presence and the power of God. But all of the attributes of God was found in Christ Jesus. When he was born, he was both human and he was both divine. When Mary, I, I'm studying a series and I'm so, I want to preach it so bad, but you just have to wait for it. But I'm studying on a series talking about miracle signs and wonders and the Holy Ghost. When Mary gave birth to the Christ, she released the container for God's revealing or for God's power. On the day of Pentecost, the same Mary became the container for the infill. Oh, I got to stop right there, but I feel like preaching a little bit. She became the container for the very one that she gave birth to. I know some of you are like, wow, how does that happen? Mary was present on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost was poured out. Although she gave birth to the humanity of God's chosen one, she became a recipient of the very spirit. I, I, I got to stop right there, but I got to stop. And, and so God reveals himself, and we've seen through shadows last week of how that God would reveal himself through types and shadows. And so I want to again today go on a journey that begins way back in the book of Genesis. When you go back to the book of Genesis, you find that Adam and Eve are in the garden. They're in a place of perfection. They are created in life. They're created in the very likeness and image of God. And for whatever reason, Eve was deceived and she took eat of the tree and she gave to Adam and Adam did eat and, and they fell from the presence of God. They fell from life. They were the first born again creatures. They were born from life to death. God comes in the cool of the day to walk with them. They're hiding behind trees, and, and we know how the story unfolds. And the Bible said that God slew some animals and gave them coats of skin, for they were naked. He clothed them with the skins of animals. But it was indicative of a lamb that would someday take the place of man's sin and man would have life because of someone's death. 
hearts. Oh, God, have mercy. See, there has to always be an exchange. Napoleon Hill in his book, Think and Grow Rich, says there's always has to be an exchange. One thing is exchanged for something else. And so when you see Adam and Eve, who have now been birthed from life unto death, God said, I've got to show you my plan. My plan is that someday your death will be exchanged for somebody's life. See, you got to get this today. It's very powerful. You got to. You say, what does this have to do with the other 90? It has everything to do because if we don't understand the principles of how God works, then we will try to violate his principles and get God to do something that he cannot do. How many understand today there are some things God cannot do? Oh, I know we sing, he can do anything, he can do anything. He, you know, we talk about he can do anything. He can do anything. Nothing is too hard for him. But there are some things he cannot do. He will never violate his word. That's why when Satan said to him, turn these stones into bread, he said, that's one thing I can't do because I'm bound by my word. I can never, my word is forever settled in heaven. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. You can't get me to violate my word. You can't get me to sidestep what I have established. See, in Genesis chapter 9, he said, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest, summer and winter. And so when the devil says turn the stone into bread, he said, I can't change the structure of a stone and make it something that it's not. But I can take five loaves and two little fishes and I can bless them. See, the whole premise, and if you've missed this today, the whole premise is that if we don't understand the principles of how God works, then we will get frustrated because God does not meet our demands. You might ought to write that one down. If, if we don't follow the principles that God has ordained, we will get frustrated trying to get God to do something that he can never do. How many understand God works in a plan? God works in a plan. God works in a plan. How many of you, if you want to build a house, would go down to the local lumber store and just take your truck or your trailer and get a load of lumber and say, I'm going to go build a house? And, 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 the, and the, the, the contract sales, he's, he would say to you, he said, well, can I see the plans? And you like, well, I don't have any plans. I'm just, I'm just going to build a house, just, just going to build a house. Uh, really? And someone said, if we fail to plan, then we plan to fail. God is the master architect of the universe. See, we, con we, we conjure this concept a lot of times that, that God just said, okay, I want a heaven and I want an earth, and he just throws it out there, and it's just... No. Write down in your notes to read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Ephesians chapter 1, through for 3 through 6. Because it talks about that we were found in him before the foundation of the world. 
And the message version, I like how the message version says it. It said that he is the master at planning. Oh, I like that. He's the master at planning. Some of the reasons that our lives are out of kelter is because we have adopted a fly-by-the-seat-of-our-britches mindset. And we want God to step into our mess and correct what we refuse to fix. Amen. Do you want me to preach today or you just want me to just kind of... We, we, we live our life helter-skelter and then want God to step in. I can promise you that God will forgive you if you repent of your sins. But I also have an understanding that God wants you to start putting some planning in your life. Solomon said that a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children and his children's... That takes planning. That takes diligence. That takes some, some denial. Oh, I don't want to deny myself. I just want to live and enjoy. And, and so, so what we're doing as Americans, we're spending a dollar twenty-two for every dollar that we earn. And then we're wondering why we're messed up. And we're wondering why we're struggling from week to week. And we're wondering, oh, God, if I can make it to April 15th and get my tax check, it's going to bail me out for another year. See, some of you are, I'll get back to that in a minute, but some of you are not as far along in your Christian journey as you should be because you, all you get from God is a Sunday morning church experience. You don't have God Monday. You don't have God Tuesday. You don't have any God on, oh, you get a little bit Wednesday if you come to Bible study, but you don't have any God Thursday or Friday or Saturday, and you come in here all wrung out. Oh, my God, I need another fix. Shoot me up, preacher. Put another drug in me, get me all excited again so I can go back out there. And you don't have any God, any other God's only God on Sunday. God's only God when you want Him or you're in a crisis. And I feel I'm preaching a little bit now. And you, you, you're crying out, oh God, you send in five prayer requests. Put it on the screen. I need some prayer. And God's saying, whoa! Wait a minute. We eat all kinds of junk, drink too much coffee, stay up watching Netflix, and then we're crying out to God to fix our mess. We've got sugar diabetes because we're eating too much. I don't know there's other causes, but we're eating so much sugar. And we get our health all messed up. We get our sleep all messed up. We, we're taking all kinds of medicines. And I'm not against taking medicine. If you need to take medicine, then take medicine. There's, there are some people that need it. And, and, and they have to have it because of chemical imbalances in their body. And we understand that. But a lot of our problems are self-induced. We are self-inflicting ourselves, and then we want to come screaming to God, you got to fix me, and God said, fix yourself. God is not the author of confusion. 
In fact, he said, don't be mocked. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. Oh, Jesus, help me now. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. If you want a spiritual life, then you got to put some knee mail instead of emails in your life. If you want a spiritual life, then you got to put some Bible and get rid of a little Netflix. If you want some spirituality in your life, you got to chase after God instead of pastor you didn't do it today I came and you just didn't have it I'm sorry I pray for you every day I get in the word every day I come in here prepared to preach and some days I have to dig myself out a hole because I'm preaching to people that their minds are messed up their spirits are messed up they had a fight with mama on the way to church their kids are all messed up and I'm up here preaching and pulling and trying my best to deliver you and you're sitting there like oh pastor you just don't have it today you just they ain't preaching it today. No, I'm not the problem, ladies and gentlemen. God's not the problem, ladies and gentlemen. It's our messed up life that we're begging God to fix, that we're pleading with God, fix my mess. And God's saying, I can't. I can't. I want to, but I can't. I, I, my hands are tied. I want to be there for you. I'll give you some peace and I'll do what I can, but there are some things I can't do. Even as a pastor, I pray for you, but I can't do your praying. I want to help you. I'm, I'm doing everything. I'm fighting spiritual battles for you, but I'm not getting any help. God's pulling for you. Ladies and gentlemen, he bankrupted heaven because he thinks you're worth it. But he's not getting any help. All he gets is resistance. He's trying to draw you closer, and you just keep pulling away from him. And he says, I can't do any more than what I've done. But if you're, if you're tired, if you're weary, come unto me, ye that are heavy laden. I give you rest. If you get tired of that, if you're ready to change your life, if you're ready to put a plan, oh, hell they go. If you're ready to put a plan in action, come on, come running to me. For every step you make, I'll take two. For every movement you make, I'll move heaven and earth for you. Oh, yeah. Whoosh. <laughs> Glory. God is a master planner. The very first thing he said in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3 is, let there be light. When he said, let there be light, now we know it was not talking about the natural lights because the sun, the moon, and the stars were not created until the fourth day. So what happened? Here's what happened. Is God said, see me. See me. Jesus would give us further insight when he said, I am the light of the world. He said, light is the source. That's, that's the source. That's the source. But I'm going to show you things that get between the light and the viewer. 
I'm, I'm going to show you a creation. I'm going to show you an earth. When, when you see me create the sun, you will understand it's a representation of me. Because he said there's one sun to rule the day and there's one moon to rule the so when you see this, so when you see the globe, you see the earth, it's in between the source. But what I want to show you is I'm systematic. Day one, day two, day, and notice how he says it. He does not say the morning and the evening were the first day. He said the evening and the Morning, I don't think y'all ready for me today. The evening and the morning were the first day because God wanted us to understand that he begins with the end and works back towards the be. See, some of you are way back here and you have no clue where you're going so you'll never know if you get there or not. God said, I want you to know I already know where I'm going because I started this thing when sin wasn't in existence. I gave an antidote for sin before sin ever entered into the world. I was a lamb slain from the fountain. Oh, Holy Ghost. I had blood already dripping before there was a heaven or before there was an earth. I started with the end. And worked back. So he said, the evening and the morning were the first day. The evening and the morning were the second day. The evening and the morning was the... All the way up to the sixth day. And then God said, on the seventh day, I took a nap. Some of you would do well to take a nap. God said, six days shall you work. On the seventh day you shall. I'm not even going to ask how many take a Sabbath. I mean, we start working and we never quit. We work seven days a week. We were going, man, it's just 24-7. I got to do this, got to do that, got to go here, got to go there. Where are you going today? I'm going here, I'm going there, I'm going somewhere else. So Jesus said, he that built, y'all thought I forgot, didn't you? He that buildeth a tower must first set down and count the cost. We go to a car dealer, and the dealer says, it's only going to be so much a month. And you're like, well, okay. I had $30 left last month. Okay. Okay. So we sign our life away for 72 months, and we're sick of the vehicle after the new wears off. Where's the plan? So in the next three weeks, through the help of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to try to show you how to build a plan. All right. How to build 
But let me just go a little deeper. You got time for me to go a little deeper? Just for a few moments, a little deeper. So Adam and Eve sin. God kills animals and puts skin upon them to cover their nakedness. But what he is showing us through the shadows, I just killed a lamb, but one of these days the lamb's going to be replaced with a man. It's a substitute. You get to chapter 4. Okay, I'll try to wrap up right here. Chapter 4. You get to chapter 4. The Bible says that Adam knew his wife and she conceived and bore a son. She, she had a son by the name of Cain. She conceived again, had a son by the name of Abel. Products of Adam and Eve. They were at least somehow trying to teach the children spiritual principles. You see that in the very first reflection of what Cain and Abel did. The Bible said that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. Now, there's nothing wrong with that because when you get deeper in the study into the book of Leviticus, you'll understand that that was acceptable. You brought the tithing of the fruit. You brought the tithing of the grain. You brought the tithing of your increase to the tabernacle. But there's a distinction made between the offering of Cain and Abel because the Bible said Abel brought of the firstling of his flock. Now, both of them are acceptable offerings. The lamb's an acceptable offering. The fruit is an acceptable offering. But there is one distinction that the writer of Scripture makes for us to understand, and that is that Abel brought of the firstling. Somebody say firstling. He brought, oh, I feel Holy Ghost. He brought of the firstling of the flock. And here's my sermon title for the day, First Things First. The other 90 is important, but first things must be first. Jesus would say, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. Jesus would address the subject when he would say, take no thought for tomorrow. You're worried about what you're going to wear. You're worried about what you're going to eat. And he said, sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. In other words, don't worry about tomorrow's problems before you get done dealing with today's problems. Put some structure in here. Here it is. Put some structure in your life for God to bless. How many want to be blessed today? How many want to live a blessed life? I'm going to tell you how to have the blessing of God in your life. Put first things first. Put first things first. God created this beautiful garden called paradise, and he said to Adam, of all the trees that are in the garden, you may freely eat. But of the tree that's in the center... Somebody say center. You know what the center is? It's the point where everything else revolves. Come on, you can talk back to me. It's okay. We're just having a little conversation here. The center is the point where everything else 
revolves. Have you ever had a tire on your car that was out of balance? The reason it's out of balance is because the center or there's a weight distribution problem. The solar system revolves around the... Christians should revolve around the... So seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and, and all, I said all, I said all, I said all, I said all these other things. Because, so, because he said put first things first. The tree was in the gar center of the garden. Tithing was instituted. It's the 10%. We're going to talk about the other 90%, but 10%, that's tithe. The 10% was instituted of God to come first. Now in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, it was, it was grain, it was barley, it was wheat, it was, and, and somebody says, well, I'm not a farmer. What do they pay you for? You're investing, you're sowing into another man's field, whether it's making cars or pumping oil or, okay, that, I mean, we, you just got to get that, ladies and gentlemen. But in the Old Testament, they brought the fruit of the ground. They brought the animals. Thank you that nobody brought me a sheep today. That was the Old Covenant. We're living in a day where we exchange time for money. And he said, the tenth, the tithe, is first. It belongs to God. Now notice what he said here in Malachi. You're cursed with a curse. How many remember that there are some things God cannot do? Okay, you remember that? So he said, you're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Because ye, ye bring all the tithe, or let's see, or bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. How many want to be blessed? Okay, if you want to be blessed, then you've got to put first things. Isn't that simple? I mean, that is so simple. First things first. So what do you do? When, when you receive your wages, you take the 10%, you give that to God. You set that apart. That belongs to God. There was even, in the book of Leviticus, if you spent the tithe, God said, I'm, I'm going to charge you 5% interest. Now, the church is not going to charge you interest, and we're not going to kick you out of the church if you don't participate. But I'm telling you that you can pray for God's blessings all you want, but if you are not living his plan, somebody said, well, this is New Testament. That was the law. Well, let me just give you one on that. Genesis 14, the Bible said that Abraham paid tithe of the spoils till Melchizedek. We call Abraham the father of what are we? We're people of... Oh, y'all going to get quiet on me now. 
What I'm preaching to you is that I want to see God's favor released in your life. I'll help you pay your electric bill, but I get tired of helping you pay your electric bill. I want you to come under the favor of God and put a plan in your life where you can live happy and peaceful and, and you don't have this horrible thing called money controlling your life. Because it's, it's a lie, ladies and gentlemen. Money is not going to bring you happiness. Money's going to bring you more things, but more things are going to rob you of peace of mind. And so what I'm trying to tell this congregation is if we put first things first and we structure the other 90, and that's what we're going to deal with the next three weeks, structuring the other 90, we're going to put a plan in our life so that God can work through us. How many would like to be more generous? I promise you, when you begin to put first things first and you begin to seek God, he said, prove me now we're here with, saith the Lord of hosts, if I, somebody say, if I. If I. That's God saying, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it.